Praise the Lord, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it with me, we have a Bible decree that we say here every week. So if you'll take your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, any other thing, you might have your Samsung, your LG, your Sony, I don't know what else is out there, but whatever you might have, let's just hold it high and claim it for the, for the power in the name of Jesus Christ. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Today's message is entitled, My Chains Are Gone, I'm Not Who I Was. Such a, such a, a, a moving title, yet it stirs within my spirit because I believe that so many people in our society are chained up. They feel crippled. There's no life any longer. And the enemy is rejoicing because he puts you in a room, he locks you down, and he's held you captive. But I'm thankful that, as that song said, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Fifteen years ago, I walked into the Portage County Jail and I remember as I went in there, I went to the front desk, and as I was at the front desk, the gentleman says, hey, Pastor Todd, how are you? I said, fine. I hadn't seen Sonny in years. He's one of the correctional officers. Knew their family. They were my neighbors. Handed him all my stuff, gave him everything. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to see some young men. They said, oh, okay, who are you seeing? And I said, their names. And He goes, then you're going to go ahead and follow me. He said, I did just now see on the list that the warden has given you entrance to come any time that you'd like to speak to whomever you would like. I said, well, you want revival to take place in this building? I might be here all the time. But I remember that moment that I didn't want to be there. I, I remember that moment as the correction officer walked me and I was there just to, to meet with three young men. And I'll never forget that feeling as I was walking by and he looked at me and he said, you know, Pastor Todd, here to the right, these are men that have committed murder. They have psychological problems. And in this pot over here, these are the ones that have felonies or misdemeanors or what else. He went on and on and on. And I just remember looking to the right and seeing the loss and, and the pain that was in the face of so many men and women as I looked through the glass as I walked by. And so I stood, he went ahead and programmed his code, we went into this pod. We walked into this pod, I continued to walk forward, went to the desk, a lady by the name of Diane said, hi Pastor Todd, how are you? I said, fine. You know, it was just a normal day for them. And then I proceeded to, to stand in front of this one pod, and as I looked through that glass, I saw all these doors. There was nobody in the central common area. There was three or four tables. And as I looked at those doors, I remembered the eyes of one man that I looked at. I thought, oh, the pain of that young man. So the door slid open and I went in. The correction officer, Sonny, said, I want everybody to know Pastor Todd is here. If you would like to speak with him or talk with him, please come out of your room. And the doors slid open. And I remember just two guys coming out, and the one was just, I mean, heavy with pain. 
I mean, he even walked like this. Just so slow as he came out and we sat at that round table. And then after that, another young man came out. And just the pain. They didn't come out and say, Oh, Pastor Todd, we're so blessed you're here. We've got a visitor. That wasn't their response. All I saw in their eyes was pain and the heaviness and weight of the world that was upon them. Little did I even realize what these young men had just gone through. One sat in the room and he said, in not such nice words, I'm not blankety blank, 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 blank coming out to talk to you. And I said, it's okay. You can stay in your room. Would you like them to close the door? No, he wanted the door open. I said, thank you, Jesus. So in this pod... Now we have about six men that have come out of their rooms to sit with me. And I immediately looked at the one young man and I said to him, What is going on with you? Would you like to share that with me? Do these men know what you've gone through? He said, Yes. I'm only 18 years old and I'm being tried as an adult. And I said, Well, what did you do? He said, Well, I had a gun. We held up a BP store. And he said, we needed to rob this place to get a fix. And he said, now I'm facing, they're trying me as an adult, and I'm facing years and years and years. I might be in here for 20 years. Pastor Todd, I need help. I need freed. There was just this silence that came over the room. And he still stayed in that same position. His head down and his hands clasped. And just the weight of life bearing down on him. And I called him by name. And I said, why are you at this depth of grief? He said, because I have a child. And because of my child, I don't know, will I ever see that baby raised? The other two that were in there, They were from Trumbull County and another one was from Mahoning County. And I remember that. And I'll never forget as we started to talk and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God started to show in that room. The one who said, I'm staying in my bunk and called me such wonderful, wonderful special names came out of the room. It was at that moment that revival started to take place. And I was able to show the mercy of God on their life. But church, here's what's sad. As I was preparing for this message, even last night sitting on my deck, finalizing all this, I started reflecting on my own life and I thought to myself, I am no different than those men. It might have been 12, 15 years ago that I sat in that room behind all those doors in the midst of the lowest place that these boys have ever felt in their life. And I pictured myself in that same position. Saying, oh God, release the chains in my life. Help me to feel the weight of this world, the weight of sin that you felt when you were on Calvary. Oh God, help me to feel the same way that those men felt because they've struggled with addictions, with habits, with broken families, being homeless. 
It was right then that God showed His mercy and He said, Listen, you can tell them the same thing that, you've, that I've told you. Come to me, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you peace, and I will give you rest, and I will give you a hope. There is nothing too big for God. There's nothing at all too big for God. He can change your circumstances. He can free you. He can deliver you. You need to come to Him in the name of Jesus and understand that you are not alone because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wow. What a verse. But there's also hope that is associated with that. And so I looked at those young men. I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? The one that can give you hope, peace, and healing? They all said yes. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That moment defined the rest of their life. And from that day forward, I used to go back and, you know, I, 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 it was actually probably three or four weeks that I had wasn't able to make it back in that they ended up calling me and saying, could you please come in and have a Bible study with these young men? They're requesting that you would come back. They weren't requesting me. They were requesting the peace of God. And so when you feel like things are so heavy and you feel like the weight of this life is bearing down on you, I want you to know that God is there for you. He's fighting the good fight of the faith with you. You just have to confess, surrender, and run and flee and run into His arms because He loves you. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. We'll be reading together. Funny thing happened in Darlington, Maryland several years ago. Edith, the mother of eight, was coming home from a neighbor's house one Saturday afternoon, she walked into the living room. She saw five of her youngest children huddled together. I thought to myself when I was reading this true story that five of the youngest children were huddled together. I thought to myself, well, how in many children do you have? Holy moly. So as the five younger children were huddled together, concentrating with intense interest in something, as she slipped near them trying to discover the center of attraction... She couldn't believe her eyes. Right dab in the middle were five baby skunks. She screamed at the top of her voice, Children, run! Each child grabbed a skunk and they ran. Today we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom in Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we do this, we acknowledge that Jesus did not do all of this in vain for us, but for the purpose of coming to set us free from the bondage of sin and the things that plague us. Because of Jesus Christ, our chains are gone. But believers, just as unbelievers, have a hard time realizing this liberation. Like the children in this story, we cling to our sins we cling to our fears. We cling to our hurts. And we deny the very miracle that God has done in our life. Let me repeat that again. We cling to our sins. 
We cling to our fears and we cling to our hurts and we deny the very miracle that God has done in our lives. Today I want to examine what it means to be free and how we too can realize what it means to be free. Our chains are gone. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the next few minutes. We thank you for your word and we thank you that, Lord, there's life in your word. So, Father, as we dig deep into your word, help it to be practical. For those that here may not come back void, but may it prosper. May you plant a seed in their heart to know that, Lord, we need to investigate our life, excavate our life, and recreate our life. Lord, we ask for your anointing today. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Romans 3, 23 and 24. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In the King James Version it says, We've fallen short from the glory of God. Verse 24 says, Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of for our sins. For everybody has sinned. No one is exempt. We are all sinners saved by God's grace. Quit your justification. Quit justifying and saying it's okay. We do it all the time. Oh, it's okay. It's not hurting anybody. No, but it's hurting the standard that God wants to have in you. He wants to take you to the next place. And if you measure your life up with Christ, we would all say we don't measure up to God's standard. So we need to work hard at doing just that. So this morning we'll look at the systematic approach to realizing the chains of life being removed through three key words. You heard me say it in the prayer. One is investigate. Two, excavate. And three, recreate. If you're taking notes this morning, one is investigate. I love looking up definitions. How many of you guys are like that? Do you like looking up definitions? I love looking up definitions because it just kind of like throws you for a loop. Why is it that in our society we have things, things that keep continuing to change? When I was in middle school, the word ain't ain't a word and it ain't supposed to use it. That was like a big common phrase and ain't ain't in the dictionary. I said, okay, I get it. Now the question is, is janky in the dictionary? Because now some of the, absolutely, now, now some of the wording that comes out, I can't even find, but I always have to, I'm always Wikipedia, hold on a minute, let me Google that, see what's going on here. But I love what it says in investigate. The word investigate, the definition is to carry out a systematic or formal inquiry to discover and examine the facts of, so as to establish the truth. Carry out a systematic or formal inquiry to discover and examine the facts of, so as to establish the truth. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23, it says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love that here in this word, 
It says, let us draw near to God. When you draw near to God, you start to measure yourself up with the standards that God has for you in your life. Stop the chaos. Stop the nonsense. Stop what's going on and realize that you don't need to measure yourself up with people in the church. The only person that matters to you is you need to measure yourself up with Almighty God. People all have expectations. I love what some say, it doesn't really matter what other people think of us. I heard that a couple times this week. It doesn't matter. That's what I hate about Facebook. Everybody wants to be passive-aggressive. We can't say it to your face, but we'll say it on Facebook. Here's the problem with that. We need to investigate our motives. We need to look into our heart. See, there's an interesting correlation between drawing near to God and investigating our own hearts. And I think it's more than just a coincidence. Because listen, church, because when we draw near to God, we begin to naturally see what doesn't fit in His image for us. Anybody brave enough to watch the show CSI? Anybody addicted? Like everybody. I do. I was actually going to get to play the little theme song to this morning, but yeah. I didn't want to throw another thing on and Pastor Luke and Allie. If you're unfamiliar with it, the show is about crime scene investigation. If you need any questions, concerns, please ask my wife. I think she's seen every episode. The CSI team that gets down and dirty in the scene of the crime to find out the facts. They have all kinds of tools, procedures, and equipment that help investigate down to microscopic level to realize the truth in something. And this is the type of investigation God wants us to allow to take place in our own hearts. This sentiment is echoed in the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, Search me, O God. Oh, know my heart, O God. And test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. To investigate is to give more than just a passing glance. It's more than walking up to the crime scene and going, well, look at that. Something happened here. It's allowing God to really get in there and point out the flaws, all the fears, all the shame, all the hurt, all the pride that takes place. And if that sounds like a painful process, I won't sugarcoat it. It is. It's a difficult process. And when I looked at those boys, it was hard for me to say to them, yes, you did wrong. But church, there's going to come a time of reconciliation, of accountability, when you will stand before Almighty God. And the investigation is over because they've already seen the, the, what has taken place. And now He will call you out for what you've done. Stop the justification. We walk in holiness, for He is holy. But Pastor Todd, you, you sound a little self-righteous up there. I'm not preaching this message for you. I'm preaching it for me. Because I know what I need in my own walk, in my own life. I know the freedom that I need. Listen, when you dance with the devil, there's nothing good that comes out with it. It's not a good party. Trust me. 
But when you hear me say let go and let God, start taking on that phrase and say, wait a minute, have I done enough investigation in my own life to say I've let go so God has full reign in my life? God, here I am, use me. 18 years old, facing 15 years, 20 years for a crime that he committed. Yes, you're responsible for that young man. We all have an accountability. You have to understand that becoming closer to God, it's a necessary step to get free. One must investigate their own life. That's the first step. So we, we realize we must investigate. Number two, we have to excavate. Dig out material from. We know what the word means. We see excavation take place. Sometimes it's really cool. Don't you like those big earth movers? One time I saw all these earth movers. And I'll tell you where they're at because you probably watched right along with me. Right up the street on Talmadge Avenue. Right across from Walmart. There in Brimfield. As they were putting in the Meyer store, we saw the big earth movers over there. And it was really cool. And it was so much fun just to be able to go and watch the trees come down. Watch the dirt and everything start to till up. And they started, you know, excavating, digging deep down in there. They were extracting material from the ground by digging. Here's the proverbial removal process to this. We've identified the areas that don't measure up to God's standards. Now we need to allow God to take these things from us, to remove them from our lives. Sounds simple, right? Sounds easy. Then why is it that we continue to struggle with the same issues that we previously struggled with? The answer is that we have not fully allowed God to take it from us. We have not fully allowed God to take it from us. We still cling to the chains Because that is what the sin nature inside us expects us to do. Oh God, help us. Romans chapter 7 verses 21 and 23 says, I have discovered the principles of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. For I know what to do and I do it not, and I know what not to do and I do it and all that kind of stuff to do, to wield all that good stuff. In the King James Version, it gets a tongue twister for me. But I always loved it as I've preached on that text alone, Romans 7. I know what to do, what is right, but I inevitably do what is wrong. Church, whatever change you are holding on to, We must be willing to let go. And I understand it's hard. Because doing so acknowledges that we are not in control. When you let go and let God, we're no longer in control. A true Christian is one that walks in the likeness of Christ and measures up to His image. How have you changed? What have you done? One question is, so what do we do? Number one, we confess. Psalms 32, 3-4 says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Refusing to address 
the problem directly will directly lead to your downfall. Let me repeat that. Refusing to address the problem directly will directly lead to your downfall. We've already investigated and seen the root issues. Now confess them to God so that He can begin the process of excavation. Question, how many know those root issues? So I said, so what must we do? One, you've got to confess it. Number two, turn from it. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 says this, But you, man of God, but you, woman of God, but you, comma, but you, comma, but you. I stopped there. This, just think, think about the word, 1 Timothy 6, but you. Here's what he says. Man and woman of God. Ready for this? Flee. Flee from all this, which means run away, get out of there like yellow jackets are on your behind. Run scared. Flee. Get away. Get away. Get away. But then I love the next part. It says, and pursue righteousness. Now, the word pursue actually means follow in order to overtake, capture, obtain, or accomplish. So, in the, in the scriptures, so we need to obtain righteousness. It says godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. See, when we're not walking in the Spirit, we're opposite of all those things. But when you're trying to pursue something and you're running from it, Many of you that run in a 5K, Steve is dad and your brother, correct? Did you run this past, was it yesterday? Yeah. When they ran in that race, they were pursuing something, getting to the finish line. That's a big deal. Praise God, I'm proud of you. I mean, all of you runners, I'm proud of you. I'm sometimes in the backyard and I run to the bathroom because I have to go real quick. That's about as far as I run and I get there and I'm pursuing something. Really, really fast. Just thought I'd throw that in there. So you, now, now you got that correlation. For, I just did that for some of you that don't run. But I know that I, when I'm pursuing, I'm trying to obtain something. That's what I'm going after, right? But it says here that we, we go after the attributes of God. It's not hard. The hardest step in the excavation process may be to walk away from our chains of bondage. But this verse doesn't tell us to just walk. It tells us to flee. Get away. Those chains can easily ensnare us again if we are not careful. You know, one of the verses that Ryan quoted, I'm going to have him, I'm going to have him quoted again here today, but he, he said this in his message, 1 Corinthians 10.13, what's it say? It says, Therefore, no, or no, hath, no temptation hath taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with that temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Preach. Did you hear what that was? Amen. Ryan, Ryan memorized that scripture. You know why he did that? He did that because it became personal. Nothing will ever come your way that God will not allow you to escape it. Interesting, isn't it? So as we escape from the very thing, as we flee from it, we find freedom and victory in it. That's a good thought. 
So when you think that things are hard and the struggle is real, I'm here to tell you, church, that God will always make a way for you, a way to escape. Wow, I love that. No matter what you're going through, we serve a big God. And He will help you to get through it. I love 1 Corinthians 10.13. What a great text. I told Ryan the other day, I said, I want, you to, I want you to listen to what you're saying. Say it slow and meditate on the Word. But no temptation has overcome you. That He will not provide a way of escape. Amen. Preach it. It's true. So we realize, number three, we've got to grow from it. Falling short is not without consequence. Falling short is not without consequence. For you, it might mean losing something, a job, a relationship. It might be money. It might be a position. Or it may just be the guilt of knowing. Here's the good news. God separates us from our transgressions. God separates us from our transgressions. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Glory. God separates us from our transgressions. We're no longer slave to sin. You no longer have to be held at... Listen to me, church. Put aside your pride. God resists the proud, but glory, hallelujah, He gives grace and humility. He gives a love to the humble. Got ahead of myself there. It says God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Those that say, God, I need you. I need to change from this. I need to seek your face, not your hands. Not what I can get, but what I can give. Here's the bad news that we often have a hard time doing, so I want to present a new way of thinking. Make it part of your history. Make it part of your history. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying beat yourself up. By remembering how low you can go, I'm saying take this experience and learn from it. Take the experience and learn from what you're going through. Use it for growth. Use it as a marker in your history. So you can point back and see how God has changed you for the better. The Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Hallelujah. Church, listen to me. This church has seen soul-saved lives change. People are changing and they're falling in love for God. Because you know why? Because you realize your transgressions. You have, to, you have to run away from your sin. You have to confess it. And you have to have freedom as you walk in Him. And the only way you'll ever do that is get on your knees and cry out to Him and say, God, here I am. Use me. Mold me. Shape me. Remake me. You've got to work hard at becoming what God has for us. We will grow from it. In my life, I know some of the pain that I've even endured. I know some of the hardships that I've had to endure. I know what it's like to be in the valley, and I know what it's like to be on the mountaintop. Either one, I know that God is there for me. He's for me. But good old Todd gets in the way. Because I love when I'm in the valley, there's nothing greater than sitting there having a boo-hoo party for myself. But then when I realize that He is the lily of the valleys, that He is the comforter, 
that he's almighty God, that he's the Alpha and Omega, he's the beginning and the end, that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to give us life. I now know I can get up and I can start climbing back up that mountain. Better yet, when I cry out to him, he sets me on the mountaintop. Amen. And God will do that for you. You no longer have to live in your chains. I'm going to have Ali play this song. I love this song. And maybe this song is who you are. And then I'll, I'll conclude with my last thought and we'll close. It's called I'm Not Who I Was. Listen closely. Hallelujah. Isn't that a good thought?
Think about it. I saw myself in a photograph, and I'm not who I was. You know, when you look back in life and, and you see some of the pains and the struggles of your life, know this. It might just be a mark in your history. It might just be that pin in your timeline. But that's not who you are. In closing, are you familiar with strategy games? In most strategy games, the object is to take your army that you have built up and go take down the other guy's army and base. But in some strategy games, it doesn't stop at just defeating the bad guys. No, once you tear down their base, you have to immediately build one of yours in its place. Jesus came to do the same thing. He has removed the old junk and now wants to build something greater in its place. He wants to take what you've gone through, the pain and the suffering of your life, and He wants to make you anew. He wants to make you fresh and clean. And no matter what you go through, God is on your side. Romans 3 says this. We read 3.23, but verse 24 says, Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Hebrews 11.6, then it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. That means you never stop. That means no matter what comes in your way, you never stop seeking Him. You cry out to Him. You run to Him. You get to the end of the 5K. You run the race. God is not done with you yet. Will you learn to be obedient? God desires for your will. We'll sometimes be at odds with you. What you would desire for yourself. But in those moments, obedience is required. You must learn to choose God's way over your old way. And I finish with this verse. James chapter 4 verse 7. It says, in the New King James Version, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Let me, let me say it to you again. Submit yourself, your members, your life to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what you've been going through. You know that the struggles have been real. You know that depression is real. You know that the enemy uses all those things to get a hold of you. To grab a hold of your life, your mind. You know that addiction is real. But church, I'm here to tell you like I told that 18 year old. Run! 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 Run for your life! Flee from it! Resist the devil! And run to the God that has His arms open wide to accept you for who you are because He loves you and He cares for you. So ask yourself this important question. Have I let go of my chains? I saw a correlation where... How many of you wear hats in this room? I mean, I think we've all wore a hat or a headband or something throughout our life. 
When you have a cap on, you wear it all day long, and sometimes with my hair, it, like, and I have a, a big noggin, and uh, but but with my head, sometimes it leaves an imprint on my forehead. I'll turn it around. Sometimes it's a little bit more comfortable, and I only do that because I'm not. I don't wear hats because, like, I just because I didn't do anything with my hair, and I ran up to the store or something. You know what's weird about that? Every time you take the hat off, why does it feel like that hat is still on your head? Do you ever go like this because you feel like it's still there? You know, you have felt that's exactly the way sin is. Satan's always there to remind you it's just like that hat. It's gone. It's removed. It might be a mark in your history, but hallelujah, praise God, that you become victorious over that in your life. Amen? And the only way you could do it is to cry out to God. Even Peter, when he was in Acts, and the angel of the Lord came to him, and he was in chains. He said, get up. He goes, I can't get up. Is this a dream? He goes, no, it's not a dream. He said, this is for real. Get up and go. And even when he went to Rhoda's house, even, even she said, is that really you, Peter? He got up still thinking that he was in chains. Church, I'm here to tell you right now. You can run in victory. You can run in freedom. You can live a life running in a victorious race. You have to let go of the feeling of having that bondage in your life. And once you do that, you'll find freedom. There's a lady that's sitting right next to my wife. You know what freedom's about, don't you? You lived how many years in bondage? Ten years. Until one day, she said, you took off that hat. Right? You said it was, you felt it remove off your body. You know, it was right then was that defining moment in Patty's life where she said, today I'm free. She's here today because she knows what it takes to continue to live a life in Christ. And so as a, as a church, I only get to have you once a week, sometimes twice a week, and I get to be able to, to, to speak God's Word into your life. But this past week I was in counseling, and God started speaking to me about, I'm not who I was. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And it was right then that I started realizing that, wait a minute, our church needs to know that. He said, whatsoever things shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatsoever things shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. So in the name of Jesus Christ, through the blood and through His Son, Jesus Christ, you have freedom to walk and to run and to dance and to sing. And no longer do you have to be chained up, crippled up by the enemy. Don't stop what God is trying to fulfill in your life. God has a plan for you. Don't stop it. Embrace it. Run with it. And run in it. Here is my final thought. God can lose your chains of sin. God can loose your chains of self-absorption, of anger, of greed, of lust. Or whatever else you might be a slave to. Because that's what the death and resurrection of Jesus were all about.
But you must be willing to learn to live as a free person. And it's learning that takes a lifetime. This morning, I'm not inviting you to be on the journey to let Christ loose your chains, set you free from sin and its hold on your life, and then to learn how to live without your chains. I'm here to tell you that you can do that when you learn from the Bible, when you can learn from sermons, when you can learn from books, when you can learn from small groups and Christian friends that you center yourself around, when you can come in the morning and learn from small groups at New Hope. You can learn from life experiences. And as we stand to our feet and as we close out this service, and as you rise to your feet and as, as we pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to examine your own heart, your own life. We need to ask yourself a question. Am I free? Have I been revisiting those things that continually keep me crippled, keep me chained up? Have I really let go and let God? Has God been stirring within your spirit this morning and we know that there's an altar call? And if that is the case, then you need to move and let God free you from the bondage that you're in. Free you from the thoughts you've been listening to. Loose the chains that bind. And in the name of Jesus Christ, flee, resist the devil, and run victorious into the arms of Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you come today? Come to know Him. Are you sure you have a personal relationship with Him? So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's pray together. God, I thank You. Through Jesus, You have loosed my chains and set me free from my old life. God, I don't need it anymore and I want freedom. Jesus, would You forgive me of my sins, my past, my present, and my future? God, would You be the the new leader of my life? Holy Spirit, would You make Your home in my heart? I'm so sorry for how I've been living. I know I've grieved You deeply. And I don't want this life anymore. Will You help me right here, right now, make a brand new start? God, my life is Yours. It's not much but it's everything I have. Please take and use it for whatever you want to accomplish in this world. Giving my life to you. Thank you for bringing me freedom. And now God, will you help me learn to live without my chains as I trust in you. In the name of Jesus, who died for my sins and rose for my salvation. Amen.